and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining me once again, the man, the myth, the legend, Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome back. It sort of sounded like something out of Tolkien. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, as the farther away it gets from what happened. <laughs> you know, I've never actually read steps. anything by Tolkien. But you've seen his movies. I have not seen any of the Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Well, I'm one of those rare Christian school graduates that I didn't read anything by any in any of fiction, uh, Lewis's fiction, any of Tolkien's oh, fiction. I have seen the Narnia movies by Lewis, uh-huh. but I've never seen anything by Tolkien. Wow. Um, no, wait, wait, back up, back up. No, 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 that's not right. I did see part of The Hobbit. Okay. Right. But I found it boring. I'm sorry. I, I confess my sin before you all. I found The Hobbit to be boring. Well, imagine trying to put a tome into a two-hour, three-hour, three-hour movie, or at least three hours is. The you Lord lost of the me Rings a three-hour movie. I, I just. Oh. I don't have that kind of time. Right. Anyway, span. I don't have that kind of. But yeah, Tolkien gets span. pretty detailed. Anyway, we gotta get back on our. Topic. All right. Yeah. Are you reining me in? I'm trying. Is that what? The, whoa. That that's a turn of events here. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so we are continuing our series on the book by Jeff Myers, Unquestioned Answers. And so we talked about uh, chapter one, the idea that uh, there is credible reasons for our faith. And then no, last week... Number two. We just talked about faith this last week. Right. We'll say we, we, we talked about that. Then last week we talked about faith. Right. But you yeah. just said we talked about faith two weeks ago. <laughs> We started out well, with... I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what? God, what's the first chapter? God, God said, said it. That settles uh, I, I believe it. No, that settles it, yeah. Yeah. yeah so then we I talked about faith last sort of week. Faith. <laughs> you're getting me all confused. I, well, I didn't need to help you any. <laughs> okay, anyway. But this week, we're talking about prayer. Right. And um, it's kind of interesting how he comes about that. Because it's not a verse I would choose. If I were talking about prayer, you know, I'd talk about, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Right. Or I'd talk about, you know, the command to pray without ceasing, Paul's command to do mm-hmm. that. Or, but he comes at it through Second uh, Chronicles right. 7.14. Yeah. You know, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, I'll heal their land. Let's make America great again. Right. And, you know, we've, we've had this discussion yes, we before, have. but it's... I think he adds to this yes. uh, in several ways, and I appreciate how he how he dealt with that. the The statement that I, you know, it's interesting because even though we're talking about not doing sound bites, he has a couple of them that I really like. Yes, <laughs> prayer doesn't replace action; it sparks it. Yes, and that's the thing. We need to be willing to be uh, the answer to our own prayer uh, when it comes to. Uh, you know, Lord, please be with my f- mother who's not a believer. Probably my father more likely than my mother, I guess. You know, and help them come to faith. Well, you need to be willing to be the answer to that by presenting that truth yeah. to that person. So, But yeah. Um, and that's good because uh, in, in all the news we have, um, every time, and I, and I hate this, there's a school shooting, yeah, or some sort of mass shooting, and it happens, and it's going to happen again. You'll have uh, Republican lawmakers put out tweets or Facebook mm-hmm. says about 
our thoughts and prayers are right. with whatever. Oh, and, and, that, and I and that's that. the other side. Get oh, but that. yes, that's the other side. <laughs> we don't need your thoughts and prayers. We need you to actually do something. Right. And, and as a Christian, I get a little offended at that because I do believe prayer does something. Prayer is me talking to God is the greatest thing I could do. Right. But they have a point mm-hmm. in that prayer should spark some action because of my prayers. Because I believe God is listening and I believe that God is all-powerful, it means I can go forward to do something. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, it shouldn't mean the absence of something. Although there are times where there's nothing I can do but pray mm-hmm. um, over certain circumstances. But oftentimes, uh, I, I should not use prayer as an excuse for inaction. Right. It's, you know, and prayer is agreeing with God that his kingdom come, his will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And then we become partners or subordinates, I guess is a better word, with God to see that happen. Um, And that's... uh, you know, it's a far cry from all we got to do is humble ourselves and pray. Not that it's a bad thing to humble ourselves. We should. Yeah. Because by praying to God, we acknowledge that he is who he says he is, that he is the creator of the world, that he is the king of the universe, that, you know, that he is all powerful, able to do these things. Uh, so, you know, but I think prayer often, though, is more for our own benefit. Yes. And you know, God knows what needs to be done. Right. He, he's not unaware, but the act of prayer, the act of humbling ourselves in prayer, helps us to grow in our trust of Him. Yeah. You know, I, I have gone through several times in life, uh, especially with the bipolar disorder condition that I struggle with, even though I've not been diagnosed, I, but it's, it's a reality in my life. And, you know, it's, so it's hard to live with that. It's, and it's hard to trust that God's going to help me through those times. And, uh, you know, and yet I've discovered that more and more as I give things over to him, that that issue and other issues become less and less of a problem. I mean, right now I'm unemployed. Do I pray for a job? Yes. Um, so far, I haven't gotten a job, but I'm getting up there where a lot of people are retired already. And yeah, and yet, even though we don't have a steady uh, stream of income from me other than uh, partial Social Security, you know, we are we're surviving. You know, and, and God, is, God you is there. You're just not sitting around all day doing nothing. I mean, you're, you're looking for work. Right. You're praying for it, mm-hmm. but you're also... Um, actively searching and whatnot. Right. Um, and so, yeah, prayer is not simply inaction, um, but also prayer isn't the opposite. Sometimes people have the opposite problem of not praying, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to go ahead, I'm just going to move full forward, I'm going to do what I think is right, and nothing's going to stop me. And prayer is not, uh, and that person is, is also equally wrong. Mm-hmm. That person's trying to do everything on his own strength and his own power, right? And without that's, the wisdom, guidance, and power of God, right? And that's what—that's one thing that prayer does is it slows us down 
in order to listen right in a better way um, well, I've done a lot of foolish things in my life um, I think we all have but right. it's when I stop and pray and look for his answers in and God will communicate to us in several ways. You know, it could be a scripture, it could be a song, it could be a fellow believer. Um, it could be a non-believer, actually, sometimes. Yeah. You know, God will use uh, whoever and whatever uh, to accomplish his purpose, not just in my life, but in the life of his kingdom. And uh, you know, the, that's Romans eight twenty eight right there. Right. The, the 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 more that we are in tune to that, the better off life is going to be for us in the long run. Yeah, and, and if prayer is that, it, it shows that I want, as we talked, as you mentioned before, I want God's kingdom, His will on earth, to be done. Mm-hmm. It's not just me thinking for myself what I want to do. And that's why prayer is so important. It focuses me. It changes me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a pastor once who uh, still is a good friend of mine, but I remember talking with him. And he, he said, I, I believe prayer changes the heart of God. Prayer changes the mind of God. And I said, whoa, back up. Don't we believe that God is perfect and all-knowing and all-powerful? It, oh. Why would we want to change that? Yeah, and, um, and not only why would we want to, but who do we think we are that yeah. we can? That's so pretty I don't want God to be on my page. I want to be on His page. Right. I don't want God merely to bless me. And uh, He gets into this in the book, in, in the chapter here. I don't want God just to to bless whatever my plans are. Mm-hmm. I want my plans. To, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer should change me. Right. Right. And and yeah. So oftentimes we're just looking for uh, and, and this. And I think this is how he ties in Second Chronicles, is the idea that a lot of people use that to, I just want America to be blessed, I want America to come first, America first, make America great again, or whatever. And we're assuming America is this great nation, um, and he, he quotes uh, Richard Niebuhr in his book, um, Christ and Culture. Christ and Culture, thank you. And saying that basically, uh, no, that's a, that's a wrong way of thinking to that. Uh, Christ, yeah, he, he's been here. Christ of, of the culture viewpoint. Uh, but he has asked here, what if Christ came to transform culture, not to put his stamp of approval on it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think, especially when people want to recite this prayer, I mean, it was a song. Exactly this that was popular back in when I was in college in the 70s. Uh, before well, my time. It, <clears throat> If my people, you know, it was it was a song. It was a great song, and yet it was the assumption becomes our nation, in some way or another, is favored status. Right. It's the promise, the new promised land. We are and, the new Israel, and that has been a part of the makeup of the United States from the beginning. There were people who thought that, um, you know. Even before the country became the country, this is this is God's new place, new land, and and you know, I mean, uh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, those who those who have thought that America is a Christian nation, they've got it wrong. Never was. 
No. You know, the, the most uh, percentage-wise, back in the early times that I've seen in my study of church history in the country, in our country, it's 10%. Maybe belong to a church. So that means 90% didn't. <laughs> and, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of talk. There were probably a lot of deists uh, you know, yeah. around that time. You know, there were certainly some true believers. And how do we know if they're a true believer or not? Well, first of all, it's not up to us to judge, but we do have some ways of knowing. We look at their fruit. We look at what they've done. Are they doing things that are helping people, or are they doing things that harm people? Yeah. And, you know, there's always been cultural Christians. Right. And I think that's what we're going through a change right now, is that we're seeing less cultural Christians. I don't think the true people of God have any more or less influence necessarily than we did before. Just we're, well, I don't know if I want to make that statement. Let me put it this way. I don't think God's people have changed. I think the people who are pretending to be God's people mm. are, are changing. Um, and so we don't have as much cultural sway as we used to. Mm-hmm. And because of that, less people are, are, try, are, are associating with, uh, uh, with us uh, because there's not much of a benefit to it than it yeah. than there was in the past. Well, and I mean, and that's you know, Jesus spoke to that issue quite a bit um, when he called out the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees for their hypocrisy. Yeah. Um, there's no place for hypocrisy in the kingdom of God. But they look so good, right? All right, right. Yeah, but on the inside, they're like. Open dead sepulchers. Yep, yeah, dead just, man's tombs, whitewashed yeah. walls, <laughs> whitewashed. I mean, yeah, the outside looks good, but uh, inside they're just full of dead men's bones. Right, it's disgusting. And I've I've noticed that um, you know currently we're working. I'm in a group working through a life group, life discipleship uh, course. And there's several in the group that some I've known for a while and some I hardly know, but that's coming out and hearing other people talk, and you know, from me too, that they were not getting it as far as really digging into God's word because they didn't understand that's what they had to do. Yeah. And that, you know, some of that's on the leadership of a church. Right. And it's a good thing that uh, we're seeing more and more um, churches turning to, you know, let's let's do more than just s- sit in the pew on Sunday yeah. morning. But the more people you have sitting in a pew Sunday morning, the bigger the offering. Well, that's, that's a little the, dangerous. Theoretically. You know? Theoretically, yeah. Um, okay, so he gets into why this, this particular passage... Um, doesn't really apply to us. And he gets into three reasons about, um, it makes a, a bad assumption that we are specially chosen by God. We're not, as a nation. Second, it makes a mistake to, to individualize a text by assuming that any part of the Bible applies to us. And third, we distort the Bible's teaching by misapplying what was originally intended. Mm-hmm. And he gets into, which you and I both found interesting, um, what we would call hermeneutics, right. or how to interpret a text. And I think this is pretty valuable. Um, and, and as we said before, before we started recording, um, this could have been probably in any chapter, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it especially ties in here. Um, I think it's the most important part of the book. Yeah. The whole hermeneutics uh, discussion. So let's get into this. He, t- he talks about 
um, several steps here of, of how to interpret, basically four steps. Mm -hmm. One, understand what you're reading. Two, understand the context. Three, understand what, past, what the passage says about God. And four, understand what the passage calls you to do. Mm -hmm. And so this first part, uh, first, the, the first two are really, really good. First, understand what you're reading. Mm -hmm. um, not all scripture is the same. Right. Yeah, I think that people get into trouble when they're all either black or white on an issue based on what they read in the Bible. For instance, I know people who would say that somebody having a tattoo is wrong based on a, a passage in the Old Testament. Leviticus 18. And yet, and yet, they would wear clothing made of more than one kind of fabric. Well, which, Leviticus 18 is which, clear about that. You don't do that. Right. And that's that nobody, you know, nobody... And I hope you're not wearing that mixed fabric at, like, Red Lobster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, because it also talks about eating... Uh, oh, yeah. Crustaceans. Yeah. And the uh, suckers, the... the, the, uh, the the suckers of garbage <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the ocean floor, the river. Um, so if you're eating seafood, and then maybe don't pick up a football either because it's a dead pig. Yeah, um, oh man, that would be, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, God can't be a football fan then, can he? <laughs> and, and, I mean, well, it takes place on making, Sunday too, so. Yeah, we're making light of it, but it's it's serious. It is a serious thing. issue, and, and there, there are answers to that. Yeah. Because um, oftentimes we look at, ah, oh, now see, but if you look at Leviticus 18, it also talks about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. And so Christians are just guilty of picking and choosing. See, you'll eat your uh, red lobster, you'll wear your mixed fabrics, but you won't love the homosexual? Oh, see, you're just picking. Well, context is key. Right. And, and how you understand the scriptures is key. Because the book of Leviticus is not the same genre, not the... And, and, and where it is actually in Scripture, all of that matters. Mm -hmm. The setting, the context, the genre of the book, all matters when you're when you're trying to interpret the passage. Yeah, and that yeah that sort of segues into the second point about context. Right. There's there's certainly the the um, scriptural context, but there's also the historical and cultural context. Right. And and. You know, when I, especially when I look at Old Testament, I try to keep in mind how Jesus interpreted things. Yeah. And basically, he, he boils it down into two things. Love your neighbor, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, and I'm, uh, all the, uh, the law and the prophets hang on those two things. Right. So when it comes to... All those rules and regulations, because by the time you know Jesus was on Earth, the the rabbis and the Pharisees, Sadducees, whoever, had really butchered what yeah. what the Old Testament said in the first place, and and they they emphasized outward stuff right. instead of uh, inward stuff. Yeah. You know, Jesus got on their case. You know, woe to you, Pharisees, for you know, you, you're good at doing the tithing of the outside stuff, but what about the inside stuff? What right. about mercy, love, uh, forgiveness, those kinds of things that are uh, much more important. Yeah. 
And so what we glean from the Old Testament, I think, needs to be filtered through the eyes of Jesus, Absolutely. through the eyes Absolutely. of uh, those who wrote about Jesus after the resurrection. Uh, well, you're not a good dispensationalist, Ray. I never have. I mean, <laughs> but I'm not going to throw the Old Testament out right. the window either. I mean, right. it's, it's, uh, it's a huge, huge part of Scripture. I mean, three-fourths of the New Testament is either a quotation or an allusion to or whatever for the Old Testament. It's a foundational Oh, yeah. You, you can't just throw it out. One doesn't cancel out the other, but explains the other. Right. Um, and that's what I think, you know, that's what Jesus says in Matthew, where he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right. So, all right, so then step three, understand what the passage is actually saying about God. Even passages such as 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 uh, Chronicles, Chronicles 714, yeah. does tell us something about God that is universal. Mm-hmm. That is true in all times and all places. That promise is, is 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 to those. This is Solomon praying in the temp at the dedication of the temple. That's that's for the people of Israel. But there are some things about God we can learn about that passage, even though it doesn't directly apply to us. It does something tell us a little bit about the character of God. Mm-hmm. It does talk about the idea that God desires a relationship with humble people. Uh, he does want us to pray. He does want us to turn from wickedness. Mm-hmm. There are some things we can learn from that passage, even though it's not a direct passage to us. Yeah, I, he goes on and basically, and these are good questions to ask, I think. Yeah. Um, what does God reveal about himself? What does God care about? What does God tell us about his plans? What does God want us to be like? What kind of communi- communication does God want with us? Yeah. I mean, these are, you know, again, the, now, and the focus, and here's, here's the, the issue. The focus, so often when we pray, is me and mine. The yeah. focus should rather be what God wants, right. what, what God's desire is, and, the, and to shape me and mold me into the person that he wants me to be exactly. and how I fit into that right. uh, kingdom uh, that we have to do. And then step four, understand what the passage calls you to do. And he makes a good distinction between descriptive and prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So descriptive passages of scripture are simply talking about what happened, like a reporter giving you the news. Mm-hmm. Describe it may not be a command, which is the prescriptive. Prescriptive means I am. This is for you. I want you to do this because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives some examples of descriptive. Abraham taking his son Isaac to, to uh, Mount Moriah for a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not doing that with my kids. No, for one thing, they probably wouldn't let you grab a hold of no, them. No, <laughs> no. Wrestling them, down, I, I, I couldn't. I, I have thought about tying them up at some point, but. Um, <laughs> abuse, abuse. Yeah, I, I, I've never done it. Never I know, done it, never I will. But, um, yeah, that's not going to be easy for me to do. Or uh, Ruth uh, getting Boaz's attention. Uh, in, Ruth, in, in Ruth chapter 3, that's an interesting passage oh, about yeah. uh, she's basically spreading herself out at his feet. Um, well, and I mean, by all appearances to the culture of the day, she would be considered a prostitute. For yeah, that, that, that God's not calling you to be a prostitute. Um, or, well, though that you know, God did call Hosea to marry a prostitute. Right, and I don't think God's calling you to do that. No, I would think not. Um, and, or um, Paul getting bitten by a poisonous snake and survive all that stuff. Uh, we're not, we're not a snake handling church. No. Oh my goodness! 
I, I don't even want to go to Kentucky. <laughs> I've been to Kentucky, yeah. and uh, I've driven by some of those churches, I've been Have told. Uh, I've never went in, but, uh, and I'm not going to go in. Yeah. But anyway, um, those are, are descriptions, simply that God telling us what happened. But there are prescriptions, there are commands, like the Ten Commandments, or um, the Great Commission, things like that. Mm-hmm. God specifically telling us, I want you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, all right, we circle back to prayer. And none of this means we, just because we don't believe Second Second Chronicles 7.14 doesn't apply to us, it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. Right. We absolutely should pray. And he gives three things here about prayer. First, Scripture calls us to pray with confidence. Second, Scripture calls us to pray uh, faithfully and continually. And then third, even when we feel that he is not hearing us, Scripture calls us to pray in faith that God will respond. And, they, you know, I mean, that's where prayer and faith sort of mesh together. The yeah. second and third chapter that, that makes it make, was a good transition because, um, you know, it was James who said, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah. And that's exactly what um, what the author here is saying is, you know, we, we pray in faith um, and then we wait in faith yeah. on God to act. Um, you know, it's it's like I, I'm a very impatient person. You know, if I'd have had my druthers throughout life, I, my life would look differently, at least uh, as far as employment goes. Sure. Um, you know, but God, but God has blessed me. I partly because of being around so many different places. I have. And going to you know uh, Bible college and seminary, I have friends all over the world yeah. that um, are faithfully following what God has called them to do. Now, what I have had to come to realize is, you know, just because my dreams might be big for myself, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what I get to do. Right. It's like David. David wanted to build yep. the temple, yeah, and God told him, "Well, no, because you got blood in your hands." and Solomon's going to be the one to build that yeah. that place, and you know, I look at it with my life. I mean, Anna, my daughter, is getting all kinds of opportunities that I wish I would have had to go on for, you know, more education, to have a, a possible position waiting for me when I get done with a PhD and that sort of thing. I never made it there, but you know, and I'm not forcing her in this direction at all. But she's, you know, God is taking her somewhere that I didn't get to go, and that's that's, you know, that's good. That's 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 fine. I mean, we prayed seven years for a second child. Anna's our second child, and the Lord, you know, I mean, it was eleven years after the first child was yeah. born that Anna came along, and I mean, I, I just can't. Ever since she's been born and just having the privilege of raising her and helping to raise her for the Lord has convinced me more and more that God does answer prayer. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, I look at your life, Kevin, with, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure five years ago you never dreamt you would have four boys no, in four no, years. And, no. and and yet God has prepared you guys for that. I mean, I know you don't feel like it uh, probably most of the time. 
and yet it's happening. And you know, I'm sure that you guys are constantly in prayer for your sanity, first of all, yeah. but for all the boys and how God will use them. You know, we, I stand on the shoulders of others and I, my children now stand on my shoulders. And uh, you know, we're just getting to the place where more and more uh, trust in God will take people to where God wants them to be. Yeah. And if we just get out of the way, often is all we need to do. <laughs> we should throw in one little thing here that God doesn't always answer the way we want. Oh, hardly ever. Um, <laughs> it's, it's great that we've had answers to prayer and some some of these stories of answer prayer are just great and encouraging. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just recently, you know, uh, I, had, I had a toe amputated. Um, you didn't pray for that? No. In fact, I prayed for the opposite. Right. And I had many, many other people, prayer warriors, who were praying for that. And God said, no, you need to go through this. Mm -hmm. And God loves me too much to let me have my way oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And Ray, you know as a parent, and I, I, I had to, there are times I fight my kids because they really want something. And I know that's not good for them. Yeah. Um, Leroy likes to eat money. He likes to eat change. Um, <laughs> And for him, he doesn't understand why his horrible dad won't let him throw a penny down his down his throat. And I've got to wrestle that away from him sometimes, even oh, though he wow. doesn't he doesn't get it. But he's a kid, right. and he doesn't have the knowledge that I have. Yeah. Um, and I have to remind myself that with God, right? That God loves me. I have to have that confidence first that God loves me. Mm -hmm. God knows all things. God has a perfect plan that He is working out. And when I want something and he says no, that's the most loving thing he can do for me at that time is to say oh, no. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole point. Is Though it, I don't get it. Is it Hebrews 12 talks about, you know, if you love a child, you're not going to let that child do whatever they want right. to do. You're going to discipline them. And that's yeah. that's a important part of, of love. And let's face it, if everybody just did what they wanted to do, I mean, nobody would obey. There would actually probably be no no street lights or yeah. speed limits or anything. And um, you know, so having that uh, discipline, whether it's sort of forced, like with the laws of the land, or uh, placed upon us by God, mm. um, that therefore our good and uh, our ultimate good. And so, so when we pray, pray humbly. Pray for God to work in your life. Pray for God to work in other people's lives. And then you know, be ready to answer the prayer. All right. Well, let's wrap things up here. Right. Um, I thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, recommended resources. Um, Ray, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of putting this to you, but any, any, what do you recommend when it comes to books on prayer? Um, I'm familiar with uh, Ian Bounds. I mean, that'd yes. be an older author yeah uh, probably been deceased for several years but he has done some great things some and they're they're just small books on prayer but they you know they definitely would be good it probably would be a good thing to um just do a study of prayer in scripture you know just start at the beginning you could either look it up in 
the concordance, the word prayer, or whatever, don't fall into the trap of uh, focusing in on the prayer of Jabez. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that has its place, but there's a whole lot of other prayers in the Bible that are uh, instructive for us and are helpful for us. Um, you know, and we just... Um, just need to be open to God's leading in that way. Yeah. And then um, I'll add to that. Um, I'm actually trying to uh, do a couple of things at once. There's, there's a couple of books here I want to recommend. I, I just didn't, didn't think of them. But uh, we talked about this on the podcast. Well, well not you and me. Uh, I interviewed the author here. Oh. Um, D.A. Whitney in his book. Is, is D. A., Don, uh, Don Whitney from Southern Theological Seminary. Praying the Bible, uh, Praying the Bible. Oh, okay. It's a really good book. It's a short book, but it really is fascinating. Um, it changed my perspective on a, on a lot of things. Hmm. And then um, The Prayer of Our Lord by Phil Riken down at Wheaton um, is a really good book as well. Um, I read through that uh, years ago in a men's Bible study. I want to recommend those. And then we talked about hermeneutics. And a couple of books I wanted to recommend I brought with me here. Um, oh, he's bringing yes. books now. He's prepared. So Journey into God's Word by J. Duvall, J. Scott Duvall and uh, J. Daniel Hayes is a good book I read in seminary. Um, and then you, I, you've recommended this book to me, right. Ray. Yeah. Um, and so Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes mm-hmm. is a really good book. Yep, it is. Um, one of the better ones I've read in the last couple of years. So uh, Ray and I both recommend that book. So get out and get those books. All right. Well, anyway, we are way over time. We are. I figured we would be. Yeah, we got to wrap this thing up. Well, he gave us two subjects to talk about. That's true. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again. Don't forget to check out uh, our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. You can see all of these recommended resources, all the stuff, the show notes, everything like that. Uh, there, some also some links to other, some other cool stuff. Um, also, our Twitter at Basic Bible Cast and at Instagram Basic Bible Cast there as well. So, check those out. Please share this with your friends. Uh, let the word out that this is a good podcast to listen to, especially if you're cooped up in your house and you got nothing else to do. Pop in the headphones, listen to the Basic Bible Podcast. All right. Until next week, have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.